Welcome to a self-published author's diary. I am Elodie Novodatsky. I write about first time, second chances, things that scare the crap out of me and things that make me laugh out loud. I'll be speaking with you and sharing my adventures in self-publishing, the behind the scenes of writing and the business side of it. And before we get started today, a small message from our sponsor, Anchor. Thanks for listening. Hello, I hope you're doing great and that you're having a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this podcast. It is May 13th, 2021. Plato the dog is currently sleeping, snoring next to me. I heard the cat upstairs, Bobby Voltaire, um, jumping from somewhere. So I'm pretty sure he's going to rush down the stairs very soon. Today, I am very happy to welcome my longtime critic partner, who I'm also very lucky to call friend Katie Upperman, to the podcast. Katie is a YA author. And I'm also very happy to run a giveaway for one of Katie's books. And if you are in the US, you could even win a signed copy. The giveaway is open internationally, but if you are in the US, this will be for a signed copy because Katie kindly offered um, to send a copy. Katie Upperman, here's a little bio. That's the one from her website and she will introduce herself later in her own words. But just so you know, Katie Upperman is a military spouse and mama to two sweet girls as well as two spoiled kitties and the cutest German wire-haired pointer around. Katie is an author, reader, baker, and wanderer. She writes novels for teens and teens at heart. She's a Washington State University alum, and she says, go cooks. I'm a University of Maryland College Park and University of Maryland Baltimore County alum, so it's either go retriever for me or go terps. Um, she is a country music fanatic and a makeup enthusiast. She loves the ocean, pedicures, sunshine, Instagram, dirty dancing and the princess bride, jelly bellies, houseplants, true crime documentaries and Friday night lights. After my chat with Katie, make sure you keep on listening, not listening, make sure you keep on listening for an update on my writing, self-publishing, whether or not I did publish those reviews I said I would publish of the books that I really enjoyed reading in the recent weeks. And yes, now please welcome Katie to a self-published author's diary, Feature Friday. Hi, Katie. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I'm excited to do this chat with you. Thank you for having me. So everybody, this is Katie Upperman. Katie, can you say a few words about yourself and your books, please? Yes. So um, Katie Upperman, I live in California with my husband and my two daughters and a farm of pets, it feels like sometimes. I write young adult books, contemporary YA romance books. My first is Kissing Max Holden, and it is kind of a boy next door romance. My second is The Impossibility of Us, and that is kind of a Romeo and Juliet situation without the tragic ending. And then How the Light Gets In is a ghost story. Very, It's set very much in the contemporary space, but with a spooky twist. 
at the beach, right? At the beach on the Oregon coast. And the impossibility of us was set close to where you live now, right? Yeah, it's like a fictional version of Carmel by the Sea. So I like a, I like a beachy book. And Kissing Max Holden was set in Washington State? Western Washington, which is where I, where I grew up and then also where I was living when I wrote it. So in the shadow of Mount Rainier. If you have not read Katie's book, so one of the things she does very, very well is description. Leslie and I talked, I think two weeks ago, about how hard it was for me and for her as well sometimes to write description and how much I enjoy when the description is like a movie where you can picture everything. And when I read Katie's books, her descriptions are always like it brings us if there's another character in the book, like the wind or the beach, the waves. I really like to write descriptions. In fact, I, I overwrite them and then I have to go back. <laughs> and scale them back because I can do like paragraphs and paragraphs of description. Katie and I have met each other online like 10-ish years ago. I think it was, yeah, more than 10 years ago because I'm, I'm celebrating my 10-year wedding anniversary this year and I know we already knew each other before mm-hmm. I got married. So yeah, so probably 12 years. Yeah. So we met online and then we became, we got to be real life friends too, which is amazing. I know. It's, it's actually, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel very lucky to have you as a friend and Same. as a writer friend. So, hey. <laughs> and when my husband is going to listen, when Alex is going to listen, it's going to be like, oh my God, you guys. Um a love fest. <laughs> and talking about love fest, actually, I don't know if you would consider your life list a love fest, but. It seems to be a lot of things that you really enjoy doing, but also try to challenge yourself about. And I'm, I'm linking it to that because, as you know, in, in the book I'm currently writing, she has a to-do list of things that she wants to do before a certain time. And I remember when I was trying to find things for her to have on her list, I went back to your life list. Did you use it? Yeah. I did. Um, so is there something on there like, two or like one item that you would say was the most fun to do on your life list oh gosh man um there's so many things i we went to new orleans was one of them one of the things was to drink a hurricane in new orleans (laughs) and i drank a few hurricanes in new orleans so that was really fun one of the things i haven't done yet but i want to do while we're living in california is get my patty certification so scuba diving yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, that started out as a, I called it a 30 before 35 list. So then I turned 35 and then some. <laughs> so now it's just a life list because I, I add stuff to it sometimes and, you know, do a little revision here and there when things don't feel so important anymore. So yeah, it's kind of fun. It's a fun way to keep track. It is very fun. Did you start it with I think you had something about writing another book or like publishing another book, mm-hmm. but you also had something at some point, and I don't know if it's still like writing in another, like either age group on Jera, or is that something you don't have on your life list, but you've talked about? I think I had sell a book and then I think I had something about writing a, a non-contemporary book. Oh yes, that's right. Which, Which, yeah. Like it's in because it isn't a straight contemporary, but yeah. That is true. I mean, there is romance for anybody wondering, but it's not a straight, full (laughs) contemporary romance. Yeah. And the romance is not with the ghost because that, I, that was my original intent with that book. And I just, it was too weird. So going back to my list of questions, how do you pronounce your name? 
And is it like, do you have a author name or a pen name? I know the answer, but go ahead. <laughs> so it's Katie. K. It's K-A-T-Y. A lot of times people read it as Kathy, but it's not. It's just Katie. It's not short for Catherine or anything. And then Upperman is my last name. It's kind of a mouthful of a last name, I feel like. Although you probably kind of relate. <laughs> I'm like, here's Upperman is super well. easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy, but it just it feels like so... Upperman, um, married last name. It is that is my name. I thought about using a pen name briefly, but I was going to use my maiden name, which is Atkinson. And there is a very prolific author already named Kate Atkinson, who you have probably seen like on the tables at Barnes and Noble. So I didn't want to be Katie Atkinson, kind of in competition with Kate Atkinson, who had already really made a name for herself. So yeah, I just went with my name. And uh, no regrets yet. <laughs> okay, well, that's 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 the important part, right? <laughs> so I've mentioned before, we've known each other for quite a few years, and you had three books. So I, I've seen, like, I've read, I'm lucky to read Katie's books before they're published. You had now three books traditionally published. Mm -hmm. Did you write each book the same way? Like, was your process the same for each book? Or did your process change also as you became agented and then also had an editor like how did your process change yeah it has changed my first published book and my third published book it's kind of confusing were written like one after the other so they were really my first and second books that I wrote and so those were written very much the same in that I wrote them very poorly <laughs> and then spent like literal years fixing them and and making them publishable, I guess. Um, and then my second published book I wrote after I wrote those first two. And that was a, a book I did for National Novel Writing Month. So it was a different writing experience because I was kind of on that self-imposed, you know, November deadline. And that book was, for whatever reason, like so easy and <laughs> such a joy to write. I don't know what it is. I mean, it wasn't without flaws, certainly, but it just felt really inspiring and really fun. To this day, I think it's the most fun I'd have had writing a book, with the exception of the book I'm writing now, maybe. Those books, I, I wrote all of those without like the deadline of a publisher. None of I hadn't sold any books when I wrote all of those first three. So it was a very, I don't know, I was like very free to work on my own timeline and work without like any expectations. So now I, I don't have like, I, I don't feel weighed down by expectation, but there is kind of that aspect of like will somebody read this someday <laughs> will this yeah. be on a shelf so it's been a little bit it's a little bit more I'm just a little bit more aware now of of what it's like to have a reader but yeah I think my process has been pretty much the same up until the book I'm writing now which I've completely changed everything about my process for for some reason and it's it feels like it's working so far so that's that's exciting yeah. um to also find like the joy and like the the whoosh I don't know if it's a word but the whoosh in writing <laughs> I really know what you're talking about just like the desire to write even when I don't have to <laughs> like I set yeah. times to write during the day and I want to work on this book even when it's not those dedicated writing times which is fun so I am very much looking forward to reading when it's ready and you talked about so how you didn't have necessarily the, the weighing down at the time, but how did you, for example, 
change things um, with an editor? And how did that, how did you have to incorporate that feedback? Because as a self-published author, right, I get you guys feedback and I incorporate, I want to say 90% of what you guys give me as a feedback. And then I do have a copy editor, but I don't have, like, I don't have this extra step of having somebody who definitely has a say in yeah. <laughs> my book getting out in the world like for you with your editor you have I'm guessing to apply the changes and the things that they're asking you to put in right yeah for the most I mean it feels I've been lucky in that the two editors I've worked with it's felt very much like a collaboration oh that's good yeah I don't ever feel like forced and it's also my name on the book. So I definitely want to like only make changes that resonate with me. But at the same time, they are very good at what they do. And I trust in their vision and their expertise. So I, I mean, edit letters always feel like crushing on the first read or any feedback, really. It feels like very personal and like impossible <laughs> to apply. But once I, you know, have read it a few times and like given it a few days and had some ice cream or whatever, I can kind of start to see the merit of the suggestions. Yeah, it's overwhelming. But at the same time, I I like the revision process. It feels like putting together a puzzle or solving a mystery or something. There's something to it that feels like I can see the end goal and and it's motivating to me. There's been a few times where I haven't like agreed with a note. And as long as I can kind of defend myself and explain why I feel like what I already did was working or, or if I can come up with an alternate solution to theirs, it's been a pretty smooth process. I'm pretty aware at this point of my weaknesses. Like I'm not a great plotter. I'm not great with like high stakes. And so I, I know that now and I kind of trusted in them to help me fill those weak spots in a little bit. Awareness as a writer is, I mean, it's a process, but I think once you're aware of those more, I mean, weaknesses in a way, but also not, maybe not your forte, like your, mm-hmm. your strengths, yeah. it makes it so much easier to not take that. Because we are, like, I know the book, once it's released, it's no longer you, it's like to the readers and everything. But when you're drafting and writing it, it almost feels like an extension of you, even though it's not, even though it's a product that you're putting out in the world and it's a story and it's not even our story, so to speak, like we're telling people that are not real, um, their story. But when we're writing it, I think sometimes it's so close to our heart that when we get that first feedback, we're like, no. Yeah. My books do feel personal to me and they do feel like a little bit of an extension, even though it's 100% 100% make-believe. It's kind of funny. But um, when I write a story, I write about like things that I'm curious about and things that I think about a lot. And I kind of discover discover things about myself as I'm writing. So it, it makes me feel a little bit vulnerable putting it out there for an editor or for like you or any critique partner or certainly <laughs> a reader who doesn't know me or care about me. That's the scariest thing. Yeah, it does feel a little bit personal, even though Maybe it shouldn't. Writers put so much heart and soul and time and tears and effort into these books, like, very deeply, so. Well, I think what you just said is, like, the the little part of ourselves that we put in. It's not, I mean, personally, and I I think for you, too, it's not like we write one character that is entirely like us. But Mm -hmm. there are little part, I think, 
little tiny, tiny that people would say like it's not, they would not necessarily realize that it's part of us necessarily when we're writing it. But when we are, we're kind of getting, I think, from that experience and we're kind of like, um, the thing you critiqued right there, this is actually something that I do. <laughs> it makes it, yeah, the vulnerable, vulner- I cannot say that word. Vulnerability. Thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is, this is, I think, the right, the right word. Talking about the process and talking about the fact that your process has slightly changed or completely changed for the book you're currently writing on, and you did NaNoWriMo several times. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any tips on productivity? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have things that work for me. I don't know that they would work for everyone, but I have two kids who just started going back to in-person school. So for the last year. Um, it's been like me and them in school. And I've had like a lot of stuff that isn't writing to do. So I've had to really learn to um, fit writing in like to those little pockets of time that I would find. So I take my computer like everywhere with me. So if I'm taking my four-year-old to karate, I sit through her karate um, and watch and <laughs> type away. <laughs> and I, I get up super early before my kids wake up so that I can have like an hour just to get started. What else? I try to do like a lot of the quote unquote writing away from my computer even. So like if I'm walking the dog or doing dishes or whatever, I try to like work out plot problems or kind of outline in my head the next scene that I'm going to write so that when I sit down, I'm like ready to go and I'm not at my computer wasting time trying to <laughs> trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Or if I'm really stuck, I'll write a description, <laughs> a nice long pres- description with, you know, too much detail. And that kind of gets me, gets me going into the scene. So I don't know. I just, I really just have trained myself to treat writing as a job, even if I'm working on a book that isn't contracted yet, or, you know, that I, some something that isn't necessarily paying me at the moment, I, I treat it like it is, or like it will be, because that kind of keeps me focused on on the goal, the end goal. The end goal the end. of getting that little book into readers' hands. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so self-publishing can be tough. I do complain about it sometimes. I do. But <laughs> I know traditional publishing can also be difficult. How do you do sometimes when when things get hard or don't go in a direction that you thought or you had planned of them going? What is your go-to when something gets hard and how do you celebrate your milestones? Like you were just saying, I complain sometimes to my husband, though he's not a writer. So I prefer to complain to my writing friends because they totally get it and they can commiserate and they can like support in a way that non-writers who try can. Um, so that's kind of my first. Matt, if you're listening, you're trying. He he does try. <laughs> and he's amazing for sure. But there's just something about like that, like a, reje- like a rejection from an agent or a rejection from an editor that until you know, <laughs> it's hard to really get it. So yeah, just like leaning on my little writing community is really my number one. And then I will give myself a break if I something really goes wrong or I get bad news or the words are not coming or whatever. Like I I will just step away for a day or two and do something else to hopefully refill the well or I'll just watch 
a true crime documentary or something like completely unrelated so that it's just like a, a break for my my imagination I guess before we go into how you celebrate what's the latest true crime documentary you've watched oh so I'm watching the heaven's gate one on HBO. oh I have not watched it yet <sighs> I think it was on True Crime Obsess, the the Patreon one. Fascinating. Cults are fascinating. Yeah, I think that's the last one I watched. Is that right? Yeah, probably that one. It's good. They're all good. <laughs> yeah, I was I was watching uh, the 2020, the latest. I don't write thrillers, as you know, or like crime stuff, but I do find just like the inner workings of the human mind, those any any kind of true crime situation, I just find it fascinating. And I find it, I mean, it's a little bit like research, just seeing how people, what makes people tick and like what people will do in a desperate moment and all that stuff is. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It is very, um, as you said, the human mind is just, anyways, uh, switching totally topics from gruesome murders. How do you celebrate your milestones? Um, how do I celebrate my milestones? I well, I will buy myself things sometimes, <laughs> like I'll buy makeup or buy new books, or I celebrate with my family. We um, will go to dinner, or if it's like a kind of a book launch situation, that kind of becomes a family affair. So yeah, just those little things along the way. I, I like to uh, incentivize goals <laughs> <laughs> when I can. So do you still do? I mean, I know at some point you had the in your in your planner you were also were you putting things when you were reaching a certain amount of words do you still do that for a while yeah i i haven't done that in a long time since i think our four-year-old came to us i think that's kind of where that my all my planning my <laughs> planning kind of uh took a hit there but i haven't done that in a long time maybe i should Maybe for the revision, because that one you're like already pretty well ahead in the drafting. So yeah, yeah. Maybe I should go back to the sparkly star stickers. That was a fun way to to track my progress and my my productivity. I am trying to find ways, so that's why I think I was thinking about that. I'm like, maybe I should try that. Yeah, I, I haven't yet. Yeah, to that. So, do you have any? And I don't know if you can talk about them, but do you have any dream projects that you would like to work on? And have you ever thought about self publishing? They don't have to be linked. Your dream projects doesn't have to be linked to you to if you wanted to self-publish. But so I have thought about self-publishing. I haven't like make, taken any steps toward it yet. But I have. I wrote like a sequel to my third published book, and and that won't get traditionally published for a variety of reasons. But I it is good. I still really love that book. It is really good. Thank you. I would love. If I self-published, I think that would be the project I would start with. And I kind of have that in my on my list of eventual goals to work toward. Because I I don't know, I think that would be a, a fun way to get my feet wet with self-publishing. And I have like you and I have a wealth of knowledge from my friends who are self-publishing and making a go of it. So one of these days, I think that would be something cool to tackle, like another aspect of the industry that. I could, you know, try to try to conquer. <laughs> and I think if you do that, like, I mean, we'll talk, my cat is just mowing up a storm. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, what are you taking me upstairs to eat? Because my cat forgets that his food is upstairs. And so he just mows until one of us takes him upstairs back to his goal. Um, he, he can wait a few minutes. He, 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 he 
eight this morning and several times since. Um, but yeah, if you ever self-published that book, I think we need to talk about translation and making that book available in France because then I could help. I like, I think I'm okay now with like the advertising in, in France mm -hmm. and I think that book would do very well. Thanks. Um, yeah, that would be amazing. I already have like a cover in my imagination. Like I can picture what I would want the cover to look like and stuff, but that is exciting. And then like dream projects. I don't know if I would ever do this, but I would love to write a picture book one day. Oh, cool. A Julia Donaldson kind of picture book. I don't know how much picture book knowledge you have, but she writes these really fun, like really smart and quirky rhyming picture books that my both of my girls loved growing up. My youngest still does. Um, so I think some like a picture book like that would be fun. And then I would love to write an adult romance one day, like like a bantery swoony like a Sally Thorne or an Emily Henry sort of a little steamier than YA just for fun <laughs> I don't know I haven't gotten the right inspiration for it yet like I need a little story nugget to get me started and just haven't yet okay we'll discuss that next time and maybe we can come up with something <laughs> and by next time I don't I don't mean on this podcast I don't think we'll do a brain maybe we should at some point do a brainstorming session on the podcast but that's not what I would I was, I did I was doing that with Mona a little bit about her baking story and actually you're a baker too so that yeah Bobby Voltaire is trying to eat the you can't see him he's on the computer now trying to eat the computer <laughs> he is very cute um prior to this episode I've asked you what three words come to mind about writing and you said creativity therapeutic we're having issues with therapeutic and community and I will play them very quickly. Um Hi, my name is Katie Upperman. I am a wife and a mom. I am a book lover and I am an author. I write books for teens and teens at heart and it is the best job ever. My three published books are called Kissing Max Holden, The Impossibility of Us and How the Light Gets In. And when I think of writing, the three words that come to mind are creativity, therapeutic, and community. So Elodie, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to talk to you more soon. So why did you choose those three words? And what words would you choose for publishing? Hmm, my publishing words would be different. Um, so creativity, yeah. uh, that's probably pretty self-explanatory, I guess. That's just like my creative outlet. That's why I started writing was because I was no longer working like a full-time job. I was a teacher first. So I stop teaching to stay home with my youngest or my oldest. And um, I needed something to do, something creative to do. So I read Twilight and that was kind of my jumping off point. Therapy that was mine too, by the way, in terms of like thinking about pop, like writing something to be published, not just writing, but writing something to get published. I read Twilight and I'm like, oh, I'm maybe not. <laughs> Yeah, I can, I can, like, I'm very excited about, yeah. and I, I devoured those books. Like, I've, I did too. I did too. I, I wanted to write something like as compulsively readable as those books were for me, for whatever yeah. reason. But yeah, I think that was like a gateway <laughs> series for a lot of why people who, who, who write why. Good, good old Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> Therapeutic, just because. I was kind of saying before, it's just a way for me to explore feelings and themes and questions that I have and 
my books have a lot of family stuff, a lot of times going on and friendship stuff. And it's just kind of a way to like sit down and work all that stuff out, especially in a first draft. I usually will um, clean a lot of that out on the second go around. But in a first draft, it's just a lot of me like working through things and figuring things out. And then community, I, I um, have made like some of my closest friends through writing people that I never would have met like you <laughs> otherwise. So the community aspect of writing is huge for me. I lean on my writing friends for a lot of things. They inspire me. They um, support me in a lot of different aspects. So the community part of it is huge for me. And then, so for those would be my writing words, writing and publishing for me feel like two completely different beasts maybe for you as well. For publishing, I would say it's very liberating once the book is out just to kind of, it's like letting out a breath and kind of letting it go and letting it become the reader's. I physically will move the file on my computer into a finished manuscripts folder and it's just done and gone. So liberating, certainly it can be frustrating just because there's just a lack of control in traditional publishing that there's just no way to get around it. There are a lot of voices, a lot of people making decisions and counting dollar signs and things like that. So sometimes no matter how you work, how hard you work, it, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> it could still be a no at the end. Um, so that can be really frustrating. And then at the same time, and like kind of on the same, the flip side of that, it, it's super rewarding. It's amazing to see like your book on a shelf or in a library or to see a teenage reader posting about it on social media. That kind of makes all those frustrations worthwhile for me. Yeah. I think when it comes to going back to your writing words when it comes for i mean therapeutic it, it is it, there is a lot of working through things by writing mm-hmm. but also and as you said some things don't necessarily make it to the final to the what what's actually being published but it's also for me it's about writing helps me stay balanced in a lot of ways it's it's a lot of this outlet that I need for the creativity that otherwise would like in my mind would go array um so it's it's very the balance part is is very very important and then when it comes to also not having met each other if without writing for the little story I lived in Germany at the time when we started talking Mm -hmm. so it's true that I mean for me at the time, most of the people that, and I, there were a few writers in Germany and also a few that I got to meet via at the time, the SCBWI, mm-hmm. um, the children's. Right. It's a society of children's books, writers and illustrators, I think. Right? There you go. So I was able to to meet a few, but otherwise it was, everything was, was online around the world. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was very important, I think, at any stage of my writing career, but especially at the beginning. I mean, now I have like, you know, I have very close friends out of this group of writers whom, who I met, like including you, mm-hmm. um, who I met um, at the time, but before trying to query and trying to understand how publishing worked and how writing worked, just not publishing, but writing. Like, how do you 
get a scene to where it's supposed to be? How do you make sure that the plot moves forward? What's the difference between character driven and plot driven? And what's the di- like? What's the difference between trying to make um, the character like being? What voice are you going to speak into? Are you going to be able to do double voices? Like all those things. Even if we didn't talk about them all the time, like just reading about other people's experiences was at the time very important, I think, for my writing career or journey or however you want to call it. Yeah, for me too. I I think I learned more about writing by um, like offering critiques on other people's writing than I, because I don't know, like being able to see how other people can improve their writing helps me look at my own writing so much more critically. And then I can kind of take that back and apply it to what I'm working on. And then with community, like we move so much and every yeah. time we move, so my, my husband is military. Um, so every time we move, which is every few years, I, the last decade, I've known somebody in the town that we were going to through the online writing community. <laughs> I've like had a built-in friend or two to go into that with, into those moves with. And it's just been just really cool. Like there's, I don't know, there's nothing else kind of like that dynamic, I think, of writers meeting writers and being able to bounce ideas and complain and celebrate and all those things together. So yeah. And like when it comes to publishing, I think the the control part of it is something that having self-published is um, something I would have a very hard time relinquishing. I I don't know. I'm I would love to like dip my toes into into both at some point, as we were talking about. I'm telling you, I'm excited about that too. <laughs> so I have I think it's one last question. Okay. What is one moment of your author and writing career so far that whenever you think of, you smile? Okay, so I kind of have two. Can I give you two? You can mm-hmm. definitely give me two, three, four, whatever. <laughs> so um, the first was, oh, when was that? Probably about two years ago. My second book, The Impossibility Fest, was nominated for what they call a Yava Award, which is um, like a young adult, excellence in writing young adult by uh, a Virginia author. So it's like a an, an award for Virginia, people who live in Virginia and write YA. And that book was nominated. And my husband had been living overseas at the time, but he was happened to be in town for that event. And so he came to it with me. Our girls came to it with me. And my book ended up winning, which was amazing. Um, it was just like such a fun day. The fact that he was there and my kids could see like, see me doing something awesome as like a writer, not just as a mom. It just felt like, just like a really cool experience to be able to share with my family. So that was definitely one. And then another is I did a, um, a signing at a Barnes and Noble in Delaware a couple of years ago. And one of the, I was going to say one of the girls, she was, she's in her early twenties. <laughs> she's a grown up. Um, she had like arranged that she was an employee at Barnes and Noble. She had arranged the whole thing and she had invited me to come because she had read my books and really loved them. So she had kind of advocated for me to be a part of this signing, which was really awesome of her. But when I got there and met her, she like started crying, like full on crying tears at meeting me. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? But it was still, you know, cause when you release the book, like sometimes it feels like it's getting lost in the shuffle and is anyone reading this thing? Does anyone even care? But it was just amazing to see that she was like so excited to meet me. It was 
crazy. So it just made me feel really good. She was super sweet and just, it was a, it was a cool, a cool day. Those are very good. I mean, those are definitely moments that, yeah. yeah would make you smile. It does. It, they're not even like huge, you know, like New York Times bestsellers sort of moments, but they just felt like, you know, like you're doing it. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> this is happening. Yeah. So I would have so much more to talk to you about, including um, the baking you've done for research for Kissing Max Holden. Which, research. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I got to say, if you got to taste um, Katie's treats they are delicious um and also about how you do your research and your revision but i think you know i'll have you on the podcast again because it's already 40 minutes Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) so thank you again so so much for being here and talking to me and talking to the audience that's listening around the world because we have now like people listening from bahrain and and russia and and um Mm -hmm. everywhere it's pretty exciting Mexico as well yeah that's amazing that is pretty cool so thank you and get going on that book you're currently drafting so I can read it soon as soon as we're done here I'm gonna go back to it well that's good yeah all right thank you so much for having me this was fun um yeah what a fun way to spend the morning thing yeah that's right it's morning for you like it's almost two what are you but no you're on the west coast And this was the chat that I had with Katie Upperman a few days ago when I'm recording this. Um, Depending on when you're listening to it, it might be years from now. I don't know. Let me give you a short update on my writing and self-publishing. So last week, I started my podcast by saying that I really needed to leave reviews for two books I thoroughly enjoyed. Cinderella is Dead... Bobby Voltaire just jumped on the couch. Uh, Cinderella is dead. The little <laughs> summary is girls team up to overthrow the kingdom in this unique and powerful retelling of Cinderella from a stunning new voice that's perfect for fans of Donia Clayton and Melissa Albert. And this book, I love retellings. And this Cinderella retelling is, it was, it was wonderful. So I I did leave a five-star review on Amazon. And then for Pretty Little Wife, Darby Kane thrills with this twisted domestic suspense novel that asks one central question. Shouldn't a dead husband stay dead? And I also reviewed that book. And for both reviews, I did a very short review. Like I did, I think, three sentences each. And... The reason I actually remembered to leave a review is because I re-re- I reread the blog from last week. I'm writing a short summary of the podcast on my blog, and I was rereading the ones from last week. I'm like, oops, I have not done that yet. So I did it. And for Pretty Little Wife, I just said, you know, that it was a page turner that I could not put down, and that I'm still thinking about the ending and wondering about the ending. But also the characters, the mystery, or I should say mysteries. So yeah, just a few sentences and I left the reviews. So my to-do list right now is basically catch up on my freelance work. I may have mentioned it, but I work as a freelance researcher and audiobook narrator in addition to my writing. And I have upcoming deadlines. So in terms of self-publishing in the past week, I 
didn't have time or much time to write. I thought about writing and I thought about what I needed to do, which is part of the process. But I did work in terms of my self-publishing. So not the writing part, but the business part. So I've made sure to keep up with my newsletter. I've sent several newsletters because I also have new subscribers through a book funnel giveaway. I also put up the final manuscript of Eine Zweite Chance, which is always second best in German on Amazon because that book is up for pre-order and I have to book the final document about, I think it's three days before the pre-order, before the actual publication date. So in my newsletter, I sent behind the scenes on The Left of a Bride, which is my next novel, which was really fun to write about. And following El Penelope's example, I also recorded a video of that newsletter. So if people wanted to listen or watch a video instead of reading my newsletter, then they could. So my goal for next week or my goals for next week in terms of writing is that I would really like to finish this revision. I don't know how many times I'm going to say it. It's on my, it's on my list and then I have a plan and then, you know, the plan needs sometimes to be flexible or I need to be flexible based on the plan. But I really want to finish this revision because I need to write to my French translator. So that's like one of my main goals. But of course, in terms of timing, the work crunch that I'm currently doing for both the audiobook and the research um, takes priority because this is what I'm going to get paid for and that I have a deadline for that's closer to my other work. However, I can't stress enough how, like, I cannot just, you know, not do anything at all about self-publishing. I cannot, granted, I was not on social media. Like, I don't know if you follow me on social media, but if you do, you may have noticed that I was trying to post a bit more and then I haven't posted anything really for the past um, week. I need to really organize myself for that. And the good thing is that I can, you know, it's not because I haven't posted for like one week that I'm not going to be starting up again. I just to be, I just need to find a schedule for that that also works. And I have, I mean, I know, I know social media is not really what sells books. And I have, I, I will talk about that more next week about, you know, the, the, I will talk about that, maybe not next week, but I will talk about it, about it a little bit more soon about, you know, author branding. And there have been some articles about how certain social media may help sell books, but at the end of the day, is that really a lot of books or is that people talking about your books? Like it's not necessarily you as the author selling the books. It's people talking about your books. And there's there's a huge difference. How do these people then get access to the books that they're talking about? So like, how do those people access your books? That's, I think, a different question than, than are you 
super present on social media and are you like I think for me it's more about the connection and it's about also trying to um, be consistent with it so yeah so right now it's a little bit late as I'm finishing to prepare this and I still have to do a little bit of research so I will talk to you again very soon Thank you again so much for listening. Do not forget that I have a giveaway for one of Katie's books and a signed copy if you live in the United States. But again, the giveaway is open globally. So if you're listening to this podcast from anywhere in the world that Book Depository delivers to, then you might be able to win one of Katie's books. To all writers out there, happy writing. And to everybody else, happy reading.